Good evening, welcome along to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It is Thursday night, which means it's myself, Supermac and Gibbo, the two legends. Good evening, lads. Hi, Steve. Hi, John. Hi, Mark. Great to see you guys, as always, and I want to chew the fact about Newcastle United, the season edging a little bit closer with friendlies now on the horizon, which we'll uh, discuss, I'm sure, over the course of the next hour. Mm. Don't forget, if you want to get a question into John Autumn and Malcolm, uh, then uh, use the live chat and uh, we will come to you as and when. Um, let's start, though, with Harvey Barnes, uh, Mal, just discussing it off air there. And um, this this one is, is is now come to the fore, forefront as a, a transfer. Newcastle may get over the line. What what's what's your feelings on it? Are you getting a good feeling or a bad feeling about this one? Um, neither, because I I, um, I think it's a, a, a false situation, um, the same as the Madison thing was. You know, when it goes on and on and on, you know that it. That is not the way that Newcastle operate these days. It might have been some two years ago and before, but um, but now Newcastle are operating in a very secretive fashion. You know, when when Tonali signed, um, it, it it took a lot of people by surprise. No, it, nobody had even heard of him. I don't think a, a week before uh, he signed for Newcastle. And, and so Newcastle, they, they do things very much on the quiet. And it's just, it, it's it's too many headlines, too many um, stories. And I, I think it's all a false situation. I really do. <coughs> what I'm expecting is Newcastle to come up with a name that, uh, that we haven't expected. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, Mal. You know, I mean, we, we've, you know, we get a list done by Barry Hogan each week. It's up to 184 names linked since the 6th of June. Uh, we, we'll get the updated list at the weekend. But, um, you know, we're hedging towards 200 players. Um, John, I think Malcolm makes a point there, doesn't he? You know, the players that we tend to sign are the players we don't hear about. And uh, maybe Harvey Barnes could be a bit of a, you know, it could be a bit of a red herring in the, uh, the transfer storyline. Well, I mean, I think it's right in as much as what Malcolm's saying is once you hear about a player continually going to come to Newcastle, um, eventually he doesn't. Um, I mean, we've yeah. mentioned we've mentioned Madison. We can also mention Tierney of Arsenal, who looks as if he now could go to Celtic, back to Celtic, his old club. Um, Let's establish one thing right from the start, though. Uh, this isn't the so-called newspaper talk. Newcastle were and have been interested in Madison, who they bid for three times and had it knocked back. Harrison's a long-term one. They bid for Harrison last season at the same time as Madison. In, at, one, at one stage last season, they bid for both of them in a double bid. You know, they said... 50 million for the two to Leicester and it didn't happen the point that I feel with Newcastle is that while Antony's been well on the on the map for Yonks when they don't manage to get it over the line quickly it doesn't happen and mm. um, rather than there's not never been anything in it I don't for one second believe that because we've, we've been in for Madison we've been in for Harrison we've been in for Turney and it's well documented and the, the other clubs have accept have uh, agreed that Newcastle made offers but when we don't get them over the line and it drags on I begin to think the person isn't going to come 
because in the main, Newcastle conclude deals quite quickly. But there has, and I think that's what makes a few um, fans a little bit twitchy. We're used, aren't we? We Geordies are used to the fact that we don't get superstar players or whatever. This was before the takeover. And therefore, we fail regularly in the transfer market. We've been spectacularly good in the transfer market under the new regime. Um, but, we, you know, we get Tenali through the door and then all of a sudden there's a bit of quietness and Manchester United go out and get Mason Mount and Liverpool go out and get a, a guy that won the World Cup with Argentina and the Hungarian who we were linked with for an awful long time went to Liverpool and then Aston Villa signed a couple of players and Spurs get Madison and suddenly we get twitchy don't we the old the old Geordie comes out like blinking echo we're going to do any deals etc etc and we all get twitchy and fidgety because we want people over the line and I think Harrison is at the stage where it will happen this weekend or it won't at all um, because it's gone on and Madison went on for an awful <coughs> Harvey Bonds, you mean? Harvey Bonds. Oh, yeah, I do mean Bonds. Not yeah. I do mean Harvey Bonds. I do apologise. But it, this this happens with Newcastle. They will. One of the reasons they're successful is they persist for players. You know, we, we, we stayed with Botman for a long time. We we stayed with uh, Bruno. We, we are persistent. Isaac, we are persistent in going for a player. And I think that wins over the player a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, because you think, see, this club cares about me. They've tried for an awful long time to get me. So I'll go there. We're quite good at that. But if we feel that we're not getting a good value for money deal, like the club wants too much money, Caesars is a bunch of Saudis who have got a fortune, so let's rip them off. Newcastle walk away. They're all willing to walk away. So sometimes in their persistence, they will end up walking away. I think they walked away from Madison in the end. And they, they could well walk away from Harrison. I think. I mean, the interesting thing with Harrison is it's it's said in one breath that he's absolutely agreed terms in in is desperate to come. That's a totally different thing from Leicester hanging out for as much money as he can get, of course. Um, but on on uh, Harvey Barnes. But on the other side, if that situation, I've seen stories put out in London that Harvey Barnes fancies playing in London, and therefore West Ham are favourites to get him. Uh, so it's like any transfers, isn't it? Until they're over the line, they're not done. Until we see the guy in a black and white shirt or waving a scarf above his head uh, with a pen in his hand, you know, we see the signing photograph, then it, it's it's not done. Um, there's a long time left in the transfer market, but there's a lot of... You know what? There's a lot of positions we want. I mean, we obviously want a winger because otherwise we wouldn't be in for Harvey Bonds. But we also want an attacking midfielder. We also want a left back because we haven't got an orthodox one. We want a right-sided centre-half. We've been in for a right-back. Although we've got Kieran Trippier, we've been in for the Southampton right-back because we, we don't feel as good cover there. We're not going to get them all. That's about five signings, isn't it? We're not going to get five signings this summer. Absolutely no chance. So it's a matter of priority or availability. Um, but I get um, a little bit cynical when I keep reading, we're well, one step off, Bonds will be on the train tomorrow morning. <laughs> uh, I get a little bit cynical because um, 
it it really doesn't happen and it didn't happen with madison and it, it didn't happen we were well in weren't we well linked with the hungarian it's just gone to liverpool from leipzig yes they, it was like I, I you know we were we were battening for him uh so i would like to see another one It'll, time is on our side but i would like to see another one over the line relatively sharpish because we've got a few positions to to look at and there is talk that once we spend our next big pot of gold haven't spent quite a, a lot on tenari we are then in a position where with financial fair play we're restricted so we'll be looking at on loan players which always come in the last two to three weeks of the transfer window you know when clubs think yeah we can afford to let him go out etc but we'll be looking to fill some of those key positions with on loan players once we've made another big signing for whatever position becomes available okay <clears throat> bit of criticism coming on social media for, for luke edwards not the first time he's got broad shoulders um he's written an article in the telegraph today suggesting that newcastle risk being underprepared for that champions league return and you know it's the way a headline is written malcolm can be sometimes a bit deceiving as to what's actually in the article yes. if you read it what he's essentially saying is that the club could actually start going backwards because the spending power of saudi arabia's pif is stunted by financial fair play now reading the article it's nothing new it's nothing that we didn't know Mm. A lot of Newcastle fans are getting their proverbial knickers in the twist, you know, having a pop at Luke. But in essence, he's simply stating fact. And I think what we've said on this programme and on all the other programmes on this platform is simply trust the process. Newcastle are ahead of the game. We are at least two, if not three seasons ahead of where we expected to be due to the magnificent effort by the manager and the players in the last two years. So for me personally, I'm not getting worried. I'm not getting concerned. If we get knocked out of the Champions League in the group stage, it'll be disappointing. But we got there. You know what I mean? From my perspective, I think there needs to be a sense of reality. And, I, you know, I don't think what Luke's... And it's not very often I agree with Luke, but I, I haven't read the article. I genuinely believe he's simply just stating what we all knew already, that we are being hampered by financial fair play because we are doing things correctly, mm. Malcolm. Yeah, very much so. Um, it, it's leaving us well behind um, the sides that we're seeking to compete with in the Premier League. Well, well behind in terms of, uh, of, of financial power. Um, and uh, I, I think we can thank Mike Ashley for that um, in a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> but, and so Newcastle, they, have, they are restricted in by the fair play situation and so they've got to make the, the best of a bad bunch if you like you know knowing that we've still got to play in the champions league and i and i think that you're right um that we we've got to look on the situation that we are going to get better and better and better as the seasons go by um and that we're nowhere near where we want to to um to actually aim where we're aiming for uh, we're nowhere near it yet um I, I i don't think that the board will be satisfied and the manager will be fully satisfied um uh, for at least a decade um but we will get there at uh, over time 
um, and I, I but just on with regards to to uh, transfers, of course, the preseason training is starting any time now, and yes. once that starts, um, that then business seems to cease for a month. You know, the the window. The, the, the window might be open, but there's very little business done because um, managers managers are getting involved with three sessions a day. They've got a huge number of players um, that they've got to handle um, quite differently, some of them. And so there's an awful lot of, of preparation, organization that's required for pre-season training. Um, it's a sort of dead time as far as 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 the supporters are concerned but what's actually happening in the clubs is probably the busiest time um of the year and um an old concentration must be on it and of course newcastle are going to be um starting their training without a number of international players all their international players um i i i, I are, um uh, are not arriving until a fortnight later, I don't think. Um, and and so it, there is always a transfer lull at this time. There's a lull for, a, for somewhere between three and four weeks. And then once the season starts, we get games underway. Then it all um, goes wild again. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, and, but it's it's a... It's a good time for, for Dan Ashworth because he's not involved directly with the players and with training and what have you. So, so he, so he will be planning and creating his his strategy, um, putting it to uh, to the manager um, to to come up with um, with with the right solutions and. Uh, it, we, we will get we will get to where we want to be i think but it's it, it's it's all bite-sized pieces that we've got to do it by you know each close season uh we'll get there though we'll get there and with regards to the champions league i think you're right when you say that the, the fact is that we actually got there against all of the odds that we've got there and okay it's it's going to be a, a, a grand adventure um uh, and but if we don't get beyond the, the group stage i think we've all just got to say well that was thoroughly enjoyable we're going to be back and we're going to be doing a lot better as 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 time goes by yeah and look, let's face it teams in scotland get there every year and get knocked out usually in the first round so <laughs> you know there's nothing unusual in it there's nothing to be ashamed of only the best you know the cream rises to the top and like we say our job now is to try and qualify for the champions league season in season out then start sure. having a go on it you know when, when you, you just look at manchester city for heaven's sake they can actually put out two teams that are reasonably comparable you know we, 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 I, mean, I mean the thing is near that situation the thing is, no, we're not, and we can't expect to be. I mean, look yeah. how long it's look how long it's taken Manchester City to win Europe. I well, mean, that's right, John. Yeah. Last season, they've gone 10, 12 years and hadn't won Europe. 
And I mean, from is, it, is it 2008 that they? That was when the takeover happened in the yes. In, in, in like 2008 when the takeover. So here we are, 15 years later, and they've only just won it for the first time. So it happened. Yeah, yeah it happened. We're going to have a great 15 years in trying in, in trying to better them. Yeah, mind you, in that time they've won five out of six uh, Premier League titles, like right? so they haven't been dawdling too much. They they've picked up the odd little bauble along the way, but uh, yeah. and about yeah. seven four league cups. But uh, there we go. But it's all steps, isn't it? It's all stepping stones towards the ultimate prize, and that's why I don't necessarily look at we not winning the league cup this season as a failure it was a stepping stone we got to a final we hadn't been in the final for 20 odd years we yes. got to a cup final we haven't been in the champions league for 20 years we're in the champions league we've stepped forward with getting to a cup final we've stepped forward with getting to the champions league the next step is that we actually win uh, a, a domestic trophy and we actually make it beyond the group stage in the Champions League. We could well do that this time in second place or something, but we could well not. And if we're not, do we go in the Europa League and do something there? If we finish third, drop down into that, or go out of Europe and we're in against next season. The elite clubs aren't the clubs that do it once, like Leicester win the uh, Premier League title mm. once, on the FA Cup once, the league clubs are elite clubs because season after season after season, they, they finish in the top four and they qualify for the Champions League. And that's what we've got to look to become, is to do it regularly. Not a flash in the pan. Yeah. Being a flash in the pan, how many years ago was it we finished fifth top with Pardew and Ashley and went into Europe, albeit not the Champions mm -hmm. League, of course, but went into Europe we were back at 16th the following season, having been, having been the 11th the previous season. You know, that was the definition of a flash in the pan that season. Mm. That is going to happen with the current Newcastle. But we've sometimes got to remember and pinch ourselves that when we talk about how far will we go in the Champions League, where will we win a domestic cup, etc., that we are one year from being a relegation side. Only last season, from being the season before, we fought relegation, as we always mm. do. So, you know, the rise has been rapid, and sometimes it can be so rapid, you know, you lose sight of how far you've come and expect to continue at this pace. If we continue at this pace, we win the domestic cup next season, and we'll win the Premier League the next season, and win the Champions League the season after. I don't think it happens quite as quick as that, but we're on, we're on the right steps, and isn't that wonderful? Because we were on no steps at all a year ago. Yeah, great points, lads. Uh, learn, learn to walk before you run, says Stephen. Uh, Tom says, let's get ourselves back to Wembley this season. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's all positive and all good points that everybody makes. I, I've, I've got to get these in. I've missed these the last couple of weeks as well. I've I've had them saved on the system. Um, and you know, as of often, people send in things for for Malcolm or for for John. Stuart says, uh, "Steve, I was born in Bedford, but moved north when I was ten. My mom is adamant. She saw Malcolm in his playing days at Bedford train station, wearing a white or cream suit. Can you ask Malcolm next time?" Uh, he's on, if possible. 
She tells me this time and time again every time his name comes up. Malcolm, were you ever at Bedford train station in a white suit or cream suit? Yeah, um, I, I, used, I used to travel regularly from Bedford station down to London. It was, it was, it was um, very often um, much, much easier to go by train than to, than to go on, down on the M1, the last sort of um, 30 miles of the M1 can be an absolute nightmare, um, particularly on a Friday. And so going by train made it much easier. I was managing Fulham at the time, and uh, and I and I could go down to King's Cross from King's Cross Station. I used to go round to um, uh, Putney Bridge Station, walk through Bishop's Park along the River Thames, and there I was at Fulham Football Ground. A lot easier than sitting in a traffic jam on the M1. The, the, the minute Mum said that you'd seen him at Bedford Station in a cream suit, I knew it was true. Because that would be, that would be Malcolm. Malcolm in a cream suit. They, they went together like uh, fish and chips. So I thought, yeah, that would be true. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Well, there you go, Stuart. I can just picture Stuart holding his mum up in the air like Terry Hibbert and Malcolm in that infamous photograph, uh, knowing that the story is true. This one was from Bill Moulding. Um, and he does say, uh, Steve, can you ask Supermac if he remembers this lad from his Arsenal days? It's Derek Wright, and I know there's a story there, but it's always good to hear his tales. Oh, well, um, yes, that's Derek Wright. He looks uh, a bit different. He back. looks a bit different these days, Malcolm, doesn't he? He Derek? certainly does, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, he couldn't do a narrow, um, a narrow photograph. It needs a bit of a wide lens. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so Derek, he was um, he was a, an apprentice at Arsenal when I signed for them in in uh, in '76, and and uh, but he didn't make the grade when it when it came to him being assessed as to whether he became a professional there or not. They decided not to give him professional forms, um, and and so he went to York and played for them um, and in his first season playing for York he um, he had his leg completely smashed um, which and, and it, it, that finished his career and so what he did was uh, you know in, in a well, what shall I do now situation um, uh, uh, you know most and some footballers, they get in that kind of situation, they they just implode, um, and sort of life's over for them. Um, but Derek, no, he he got himself into Sheffield University, um, and he, um, he 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 got a degree in physio, in physiotherapy, and and I was I was manager of Fulham in about 1982 this was and um and, and my physio a guy called john clincard he he came into my office and he he, he said um uh, he said I've, I've, I've got a bit of bad news for you he said it's good news for me but it's bad news for you i said oh what what's that then john and he said uh well, he said, um, uh, uh, I've had Howard Kendall in, in touch, um, who was manager of Everton at the time. 
and he's desperate for a, a, a physio and so he's offered me the job and i've accepted i said oh well no I'll, i'm i'm good that's a, you know a big step up in the world for you um and so when are you planning to leave expecting him to say oh well, i'm handing in a month's notice or whatever um and he said uh, I'm, I'm i'm starting tomorrow morning and i said you are kidding me it was about three o'clock in the afternoon uh, um, uh, and uh, uh, sorry it, it, it was a it, not three o'clock it, it was about nine o'clock in the morning and uh, and uh, and he said I'm starting tomorrow so uh, I said oh for heaven's sake I said so you're leaving me right in the lurch um, uh, and I, I certainly gave a mouthful to Howard um, Kendall when I next saw him um, but there we are that that's football so so I had quite a number of injured players at the time and I thought heavens above I'm, I'm, um, how am I how am I going to get them treated because you know it needs constant treatment to, to repair injuries and so I thought I really don't know which way to turn at the moment so I phoned Fred Street the physio at Arsenal and I and I said, Fred, I'm in right Pooh Street. I really am. I said, um, John Klinkard, my physio. I said he's um, he's he's leaving for Everton, and he's he's leaving tonight. I said, so tomorrow I'm without a physio. I said, and I haven't got a clue how I can get a, a replacement in at such short notice. Well, he said life moves in strange old ways doesn't it I, I said well i said this isn't strange i said this is a bit of a nightmare he said well he said i've just put the phone down with um do you remember derek wright and i said yeah i certainly do he said and i said he was an apprentice and um and, and he went on and played for york but had to retire right he said well um, having got seriously injured, he went to Sheffield University. He's just phoned me to say that he has passed his degree with flying colours and he's looking for a job. I said, uh, phone him up and tell him he can have one here. Um, and um, he arrived in my office at three o'clock that afternoon. And so John Clinkard literally walked out the door and my new physio walked in and uh, and he started there and then. And, uh, and he, he, he went into the treatment room, he started working with the players um, and the players absolutely loved him. He had such a fantastic manner about him and he had a brilliant, brilliant work ethic and uh, and and of course I, I had a fairly small playing staff and um and and every now and again Derek Wright um if I was if I was short in the reserve side it he'd go and play so when he was playing for the reserves um and somebody went down injured 
the trainer, the, the coach, would run on with the, with the medical bag and Derek would run from the right-back position and treat the player and then go back to the right-back position and carry the only, on. The only, difficult, the only difficulty that happened is when Derek got injured himself and had to treat his own leg. Well, <laughs> it, which happened. It, yeah, yeah it actually it. happened, yeah. yeah I um, it. But, but he it, went on and had a fabulous career. Fantastic. Fabulous yeah. career at Newcastle, didn't he? Fabulous yeah. career at Newcastle. Oh, one of the longest-serving guys. But John, it didn't matter where he went. Um, he was always going to have a brilliant career because he was just a brilliant guy and a great, great professional. And it's just a shame that he didn't quite have what was necessary uh, to make a career for himself in the game. Um, I mean, the, the interesting the thing, if you remember the early days at Newcastle, when two players on the far side, on the popular side, got injured, you know, they have a clash, they both go down, the referee brings the physios on, Derek always used to race their physio across the pitch for who, just for the sake of the competition, yeah. for who yes. got over there first, with the, with the fans cheering like heck. By the end of his career, bless him, he wasn't even running on the pitch at all because he'd slightly put on no, 20 stone and yeah, couldn't, could, quite, couldn't quite he, make it. But, he could have gone with a buggy to get on there. <laughs> I, but a, a terrific, terrific guy, a good, good sir. Fantastic guy. Yeah. Lovely, lovely fella. Um, and just had this wonderful, fantastic attitude to life, to work to whatever um and uh yeah he he was he was a very very special person and i'm and i've worked with him at two different clubs in quite different fashion and uh and i cannot speak more highly of him i really can't no Lovely Stuart's man. in the chat, uh, who um, whose mother uh, always says she saw Malcolm in the cream suit. He says, thanks for solving the mystery. He says, my dad's a massive Luton fan. I've had Newcastle season tickets since I was about 15. We've both had seasons beyond our wildest dreams. So uh, thanks for that, Stuart. And I'm glad we uh, solved the mystery. And uh, good story about Derek Wright as well. Halfway through the show, time for the ads. Big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 2545 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks also to Mr. Vicky Sources, Handmade in Cumbria. If you want to order some, then you can go to their website, mrvickies.co.uk or telephone 01768 210102. Thanks also to New Workwear. Uh, they were set up in 2018 and they are an agile and dedicated workwear provider you can find them at their website newworkwear.com thanks to media arts as well for all the help with the video side of things if you want to subscribe to the channel hit the subscribe button under this video hit the thumb up to like the video and click share to share to your other social media we're also available as a podcast on your podcast providers such as itunes and spotify if you'd like to take out a cult membership which means you get a cup a pen, a membership card, a scarf, an entry into the monthly draw, and put your smartphone over this QR code now. It'll take you straight to the site. You can set up and pay a one-off fee of £25. Alternatively, go to nufcmatters.com and check for membership. If you're a subscriber, you can apply for a free car sticker, 
Just email john at nufcmatters.com to claim yours today. The new Shearer raffle is up and running. 150 tickets, a pound a ticket to win a limited edition Alan Shearer signed ball. Enter now at nufcmatters.com. We've got a couple of events coming up. Newcastle United question and answer live with Liam Kennedy, Jordan Cronin and Dominic Skur from Newcastle World and the Shields Gazette. In association with NUFC Matters, it takes place at the Tyneside Irish Centre, 11th of August at 7pm and tickets are a fiver. The Christmas event will be with Frank Clark and John Gibson, Thursday, December the 7th at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets are £15 from NUFCMatters.com. And Waddle, Keegan and Beardsley, the class of 84, with special guests, takes place at the Tyne Theatre and Opera House on Westcote Road in Newcastle on Thursday, January the 25th. Tickets are available direct from the theatre, 0844-2491-000, or go to the website for further details. And don't forget, starting on the 7th of August, you will be able to hear myself, Steve Wraith, on the Northeast Footy Breakfast. Uh, this comes to you in association with the Tune Radio. 7 o'clock till 9 o'clock, five days a week. Check out the Facebook for more details. Okay, and uh, always plenty of questions coming in from everybody out there. Uh, we've got this one here from Tom Dixon, who is a regular. He says, question for Malcolm and John. Do you think Howe will stick with the same formation that he played with last season with the Champions League as well? So, do you think he'll stick with the same formation, Mal, next season? Well, he'll stick, I think, basically with the same formation. It worked brilliantly um, last season and there's no reason why it won't work equally brilliantly um, this new coming season. Um, but as as you bring new faces in, because they have maybe something a little bit different to offer, then you start to get um, very slight changes um, to accommodate um, and uh, the new player, but also to get the very best out of him. Um, and so uh, it it's all it's always moving on. It's it, 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 um, that uh, there's always improvement to be had, and uh, and and that's why football managers have to be seriously on the ball watching each player very carefully to ensure that that the system if one wants to call it that the system is working for everybody um you can't have one player that it's not working for you have to have it working for everybody but yeah he will he he will um i think uh, pretty well um have the same for um, the, the same formation as such but of course tonale he will be coming into the side and uh, people have, have said that he's a very defensive midfield player i don't see that to be honest he's all left peg he's a terrific runner on the ball um got good pace with the ball at his feet um very very skillful um has great vision and i i see him playing more on the left hand side of things um and and i think that with with tonali um in the club i think that some maximum that that's a, allowed um 
Newcastle to um, to look for offers for some maximum. You've, you've obviously stunned Stephen, who's uh, either gone to sleep or frozen. Or yeah, I've thinking. got a... He doesn't know I've what to do about you mentioning Maxi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you you were waiting for a, for a 24-hour <laughs> carry on, weren't you? <laughs> no, no, no. That, Where's it, the mic? Oh, oh, sorry. Have I insulted you? To, <laughs> you no, you carry on, lads. You carry on. I'm having a few problems with the internet. John, if you want to give your views on that, if you can hear us. Yeah, yeah, I can indeed, mate. Um, yeah, I, I think, as Malcolm said, tactically, he will stick pretty well within his system, which is three up top, one central attacker, two wide players, your three midfielders, your four at the back. Where, where, where Eddie deviates from that is during games. If that's not working, he will use his subs and change the situation, perhaps narrow up Isaac behind uh, Wilson and have somebody else left. He will sometimes switch to a five at the back or whatever. He will switch during a game, his tactics. But the side he selects, the 11 he selects, almost inevitably fit into his preferred style, which basically is a 4-3-3. Three mm. players up front, but only one through the middle, two wide. He, he picks his side that way, and then he changes it. But they always changes. Malcolm says there's nothing cast in stone. No. It changes during a game. Wingers change from one side to the other side. Um, players are allowed to drift in. People are often given a free reign, aren't they, to pop yeah. up wherever yeah. they want to it's pop not up. Just- it's not just the coach that changes it, John. It's players as well. Of course, of course. You know that that a, a, a left winger might be looking over the other side and and seeing the uh, the opposing left back having a bit of a nightmare and think, right, I want to get over there and have a right old run at him. I'll, I'll have a slice of that. I'll have yeah. a go at that. Yeah. And as we say, at the risk of running this program over time. If you've got Maxi in the side, try telling Maxi to to play within a straight jacket of a tactical formation. He will pop. And in fairness to him, when he's at his best, it's often because he does this. He will pop up wherever he wants to pop up. And to a certain extent, he's given that free reign within limitations by how. Go and play where you can do the most damage. Um, And that applies to most of the players and often the midfield can be very fluid i mean it's very difficult to say what bruno is apart from indispensable because newcastle believe it or not never won a game last season that bruno didn't play in that's quite Mm. a statement isn't it when you think of how well newcastle did every time bruno didn't play newcastle didn't win yeah amazing that's quite amazing how much stat is that He should have a tattoo of it. I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has, yes, because he'll be quite proud of that, and so he should be. But again, it's it's a matter of what is he best at? Because the simple answer is, well, he's good at everything within the midfield. I mean, he can play defensive midfield, he can play link, or he can play the bloke that gets in the box to support the striker. He can do all three. I know 
from what he says that while he's played a lot of defensive midfield here to allow other people to go on like Willick etc etc he prefers to go on himself he sees as his ideal position being an attacking midfielder who because I think he loves what we all love the glory of scoring goals and the fact is he can do it he can do that and but he sees himself as an attacking midfielder who will play in any of the midfield positions because um he can do them all i'll tell you one thing that i think there were the odd occasions last season when newcastle were under the cosh and in the main they weren't but where they were under the cosh when sometimes teams played through our midfield they will not find it easy to play through our midfield when bruno's linked with tonali mm. they won't find it easy to play through them too yeah believe you me tonali might only be 23 but he's already won Serie A, the same as Trippier won the title in Spain. Tonali's won it in Italy, and he got to the semi-final of the of the Champions League with AC Milan last season. Yes, and he's captain of, of the under-21s, John. Uh, teams um, will find it difficult to play against Bruno and Tonali as a pair. Yeah. And I'm even pushing my neck out here, I'm even saying that Manchester City at home, which is the fixture from hell, not necessarily Manchester City up here, but Manchester City at home is a fixture from hell, as was described by Bruno. I, even with De Bruyne and all the great, great players they've had, they will find Tenali and Bruno a formidable pair in the middle mm -hmm. of the park. Yes. Yeah, yeah very much going to be very interesting that guy's going to be very very interesting john i just want to give a shout out to an event you uh, are doing on the 8th of august at the time out surf cafe uh with steve watson yeah yeah lovely guy steve what was almost uh too good for his own good he could play right back left back center half uh, attacking midfield defensive midfield he was an absolute genius and he was part of the entertainers people forget that because it likely clark and that he was already here and people remember who were bought in because they always remember that don't you you remember at newcastle united now who you buy in you don't remember that uh uh sean longstaff was already here joe Linton's already here Mavin was only you talk about the players you buy in he was part of the entertainers and if you remember he was quite unique. Not, I mean, he played for Newcastle so young, it was untrue. But if you remember, he had that somersault throw-in where he stood back from the oh, touchline, yeah. did a somersault and threw the ball into the opposing penalty area. <laughs> it was quite sensational. Football was so decimated by it that tried to find the reason why it was um, illegal. Uh, and it was very difficult to come up with a reason why it was illegal. So what most clubs try to do is make certain you didn't have room on the touchline from the Dewey somersault that the touchline was so close to the fans <laughs> that you couldn't do your somersault. But he was quite amazing at that. He was a top, top player, a lovely lad, a million stories because he, he played with all the great, the best side Newcastle United have had until now since Jackie Milburn 
was the entertainers, the best side overall. They finished second top uh, as the entertainers. He was part of that. So the stories he's got to tell is quite phenomenal. And um, I've worked the surf cafe, as you have, Steve, an awful lot, and worked with Supermark there. And um, it's a lovely, intimate atmosphere, terrific atmosphere, the closeness. It's like talking to your mates in a pub, which mm. is fabulous. And what all will be great at that. Looking forward to it immensely. Yeah, yeah get yourself down there, folks. Really There's about f- 15 tickets left. 8th of August, Time Mouth Surf Cafe. Tickets are available from Surf Cafe Time Mouth co.uk or ticketweb.uk don't miss out guys honestly that'll be a cracking night steve doesn't do many of these but uh this one will be an absolute belter as i say it's limited to 35 tickets uh about probably about 15 left i think there is at this moment in time so get yourself along okay let's uh, get a couple of questions a lot of people uh malcolm including geordie tune life were very concerned last week when you were um uh, rather annoyed at the fact you weren't going to be able to see the under 21s final but of yeah. course we did manage to liaise with each other and um and then eventually the the, the contract was won and it was televised on terrestrial tv so right. we're My presuming channel, you course. watched it malcolm and you enjoyed it thoroughly enjoyed it yes i really did and uh and i i thought the first 15 minutes first 20 minutes um england were really really good entertaining and um and i thought the best player in that first opening 20 minutes was gordon on the pitch i thought he was absolutely superb he um, made two great chances malcolm oh, didn't he? Didn't he great chances. yes and they were wasted they yes, really they were. went wasted they were. Um, and, and uh, uh he faded a bit from there and I, but i think that england did um as as the opposition got back into the in, into the game a bit uh but it, it it, I, I thought it was a, a, a fabulous game, and, uh, and 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 there was there's talk, of course, about that group of players progressing from from the lower age limit to the to the senior side, and it and I I think it's um, I think it's going to be a very very exciting decade to come. Watching, I mean, the, the, the wonderful at both levels. The wonderful thing for him is that as he was approaching the end of the season with Newcastle, there was people openly discussing whether he would be a Newcastle success because Newcastle have signed so many players that have been hugely successful, like Isaac and Botman mm-hmm. and Bruno and Trippier and Pope. And would he be that success? Then he came in the last day of the season at Chelsea when he had a player centre midfield because of injuries and he scored a goal. He played false number nine for England under 21s, scored a couple of goals, got an assist. He seems to like playing in the centre of midfield, the centre of the park because there's more action rather than out yes. on the wing. And, yes. You know, and, he's, and he's not, and I think that we've, that we've got enough width in the Newcastle side, with, with without We've got enough wingers, he yeah. will. He will. There's been a lot of talk about how we need uh, a number nine because we've only got Isaac and Wilson, and Wilson will miss games because of injuries, etc., etc. And I can follow all that. Gordon might just save a, a bit of money by able to play that false nine for Newcastle when it's needed. The one, th- and I was delighted from 
that he'd become a winner out in the under 21s because yeah. he got a European winning medal. He was voted player of the tournament. What a personal lift that is. And it will give his confidence a huge lift for the start of the new season. However, if I may throw in just a little dampener to bring reality into the situation, there's a significant difference between being the best player in Europe at your age level and starring in the Premier League, in the Champions League, against no age barrier whatsoever. I mean, mm. there's a difference between playing Spur, even Spain's under-21s, a pass the ball for fun. There's a difference between playing against them and playing against Manchester City with Haaland, De Bruyne, um, Grealish, uh, Mahrez and a million others and the same with Arsenal and Liverpool and in Europe of course it is a massive step up from under 21 football against kids of your same age and playing against the superstars of world football but it will have done Gordon the world of good and I've been banging on saying please don't judge long before the this tournament Please don't judge him yet. Give him a chance. Let him have pre-season. He'd come at a difficult time to Newcastle. He'd had a difficult time at Everton. He, he was League Cup tied, etc. Give him a chance. Now then, the time to judge him is between August and Christmas. Absolutely. And John, there, there, there's an interesting comment that was that was made. I think it was Jack Sparrow who made a, a comment on... Um, isn't that Johnny Depp? Isn't that Johnny Depp? <laughs> yes. I <laughs> um, love the fact he, that uh, he came out and said he wasn't fit enough last season. Having been at Everton, that Everton were that they they were sort of haunted by relegation, and when you're down the bottom, you, what you're doing is you're doing a, a lot of drudgery in the game. You're not doing the the, the, the real fitness kind of running where where you're running with with the ball you don't necessarily be in possession of it that your teammates are in possession but you're doing this very positive running and you can do it all day you can do it all day long but when you're chasing the ball because the other side have, have got the possession and you're just chasing 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 it's a real drag and your fitness levels go down and down and down um which is which is why i um i was i was a little bit concerned that we might go for leicester players leicester they've just been relegated and and players it would take them a, a, a good um a good nine months to get back to to the kind of fitness that newcastle need and remember that uh, uh, that Eddie Howe, he's got Newcastle United playing a very high tempo game. And and you need to be ultra, ultra fit to be able to um to uh to do it well. Um and, and I think I think it's gonna be fascinating this season, Malcolm, talking just thinking and talking about what you said, you know, about the way we play the high tempo and how demands high tempo and he wants players to get that fitness. Mm -hmm. he, he asked, he's had to do that. 
Gordon has admitted yes. he had trouble doing that, but he's going to do that next season. The interesting thing for me this coming season is that us having done that in the Premier League, very successful to fourth top, the League Cup, very successful to a final, and the FA Cup, three competitions, we now have to also do it in a fourth competition yeah. as big as the Champions League. Can we high press and be successful sure. and be ultra fit and for nine months? For nine months, Malcolm. Not, of course, we can in the first four months. Sure. Can and we still be doing it in March, April, in April next year, yeah. having had this long and, run? And John, there is another factor to take into um, into mind, um, which is being in the Champions League. You've now got some massive travelling to do, and that's of course, yeah, yeah, and that course, is yeah. always wearisome. It takes it out of you, um, and and you need to get used to it. The Man City players now they're used to it, you know that they've got themselves up to that kind of level. But it it's going to take a while for new for the Newcastle players just to acclimatise to playing at that kind of level. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Yeah, I agree, lads. Okay, we've got five minutes left. Let's try and get one more question in, if we can. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get two in because there's one which is quite a, a quick answer. I just want to mention this as well. Jasmine, you are quite right. I get sick of hearing about the EPL scoring record Kane is chasing of 283 goals from Shearer. The record that chases Jimmy Greaves, who scored 357 in English top flight. Kane won't cast out. Jasmine, that's my argument, 100%. Quick one for you, John. Uh, is there any truth uh, in Matt Target being sought after by Nottingham Forest? Have you heard that one? Well, they, they, they love all our reserve players. I mean, <laughs> they, 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 they do that. And, uh, and don't knock Nottingham Forest because I'm very grateful. Uh, I mean, I am very grateful that they did take uh, wooden shelby off our hands. And um, yes, but aren't they... I mean, not only are they linked with every player that's going, but they almost always follow through and sign every player that's going. And, and you know, this seems to be their policy. Uh, who was it that I saw? I saw a link this week, which I found quite amusing. That um, some they were linked with some player, and the offer to him was. It was a, a top name that was fading. An offer to him was, oh, I tell you who it was, Will I Am. You know the old Chelsea player that's been at Fulham and has mm -hmm. won his contract yeah. down, he's on a free. Surprise, yeah. surprise. Not William, William, yeah. Not Will I Am's the singer, isn't he? <laughs> well, the, I mean, he might. The Black Eyed Peas. No, Will I Am will get the chance to sign for Forrest as well if he wants ah. to, because they still take everybody. He must be what now? It's the spelling of William is like <laughs> Will I Am. He must be about 38, mustn't he? Right? Oh, at least which one? Will I am or William? He's thrown us off course. Thing, how about this, guys? The interesting thing that the Forest manager was uh, setting up when he talked to William, who's also got an offer from Fulham. The interesting thing to try to lure him to go to Forest is that we'll take you, we'll top the Fulham wages, and in a year's time when you're really finished, because you're 856, you, <clears throat> you can go to Olympiacos 
for the final year if, if, if you're playing career because of course the owner of Forest owns Olympiakos so you know can you imagine that they're even down to doing that you know you can go on and play for Olympiakos when you're finished here I mean Forest are staggering they stayed open I was rather pleased they did because it's six easy points next season but also because I've got some affection for them from Cluffy's days but I mean they did incredible to stay up under all the odds and they're, they're going down the same path again and it's quite staggering I mean who's going to go down this year apart from Malcolm's old club Luton there's a question quickly you two answer that who gets relegated this coming season with Luton Hello, Malcolm might disagree with Luton, but I no, think Everton because no, no. they'll have Everton because they'll have minus ten points, Mal. Sorry, Everton because they'll probably have minus ten points after they get uh, fined in in October. Are they ever? Are the authorities ever going to sort that situation out? For heaven's sake, well, it should be it should be Everton. Off yeah. a play, off a off a level playing field, who goes down with Luton? Personally, I think Forest. They've been flirting with it for an awful long time. Yeah, yeah. Will Sheffield United survive? They could go down as well. That's yeah, because um, <clears throat> they they're going to struggle to strengthen because that they're they've got all sorts of financial problems going on there, haven't they? Yeah, you know what I you know what I think is absolutely fabulous about that question that I've just done, and it's my answer. It will not be Newcastle United. <laughs> For 15 years I wasn't able to say that with any sense of uh, being right now I can actually sit here and say I absolutely guarantee that one of the three that goes down will not be Newcastle United yeah, really wonderful it could be Burnley and it could be Bournemouth I think one of them too but Everton will Burnley, definitely I don't be. think so Everton will be down there you, you know what I don't care who goes down because it won't be us. All right, lads. First time we've been able to do it for weeks on end. Let's have a prediction uh, for the two games that will be played before Newcastle United before before we're back on uh, back on air next Thursday. Uh, Newcastle play Gateshead, of course, at the weekend. All proceeds from the Gate and TV coverage going to Gateshead, which is fantastic. Um, and Newcastle play Rangers, of course, on Tuesday night. So the friendlies, lads. Um, you know, for me, well, you, I've got to say, I've, friendly. I've got to say, Gates will win by three or four. Uh, As I, the would be, I mean, I would be serious. I would be serious. I mean, I used to, I have played Newcastle's first team when uh, I was at Gateshead and John Hall and Kevin Keegan took the first team across, and it was a time side debut for uh, Les Ferdinand and David Ginola who both play, who is the first ever game on Tyneside. And honestly, if we won a corner, we did a lap of honour. Um, <laughs> really, it's absurd to try to forecast that one. Uh, and with Rangers, it's almost who cares, because if this was a match in Europe, and it was in 1969, because that was the semi-final of the Cup in Newcastle, drew up there and won at home Newcastle would beat Rangers all day long in a meaningful game mm. this is a kickabout yeah when I when I was managing um I I would I, I was never bothered really about the result 
that the, the whole idea of, of these early uh, pre-season games are purely and simply for players to get fit as quickly as they possibly can. And if, it, and if, if you get beat 3-0, it doesn't really matter as long as the players are putting in the running um, and, and, and getting them and improving their fitness levels. That's the most important thing at this time. Yeah, yeah, lads. Great show. And uh, despite the technical issues I've had this end, it's finally settled down. Uh, but great to be in the company of Malcolm and John. Don't forget to get your tickets for uh, Gibble and uh, Steve Watson, 8th of August, down at the Time Mouse Surf Cafe. Don't miss it. It's going to be a hell of a night. Okay, lads. Have a great week. And uh, we will be back at the earlier time next Thursday of 11 a.m. So we will see you all then. Take care, Mal. Take care, John. All right. And you guys. Take Good care. Guys. Enjoy your weekend, guys. We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today.